If you're talking sports, it's the matchup. Mickey Huber's Izzy, are we cutting it up? Just a couple athletic enthusiasts. You know what it is, the Mickey's Izzy podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's episode 20. But all I got to ask is, do, do y'all, do, do you guys feel it? Like, I, I just, I got to ask. <laughs> Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, it's one on Miami. Let's get it! The Eastern Conference Finals is here. Mickey Hines, I'm sorry, but it's our 20th episode. You know. Wow. What? A entrance to a uh, podcast here for number 20. Um, I am a little bit back, but as you know from our phone call, I guess this episode we're jumping right into the ECF, which I love it. But that being said, I am not that upset. I love how you're excited. It's going to be such a fun series to be watching. Your favorite team, my favorite team. We're going to get after it. Yes, yes. I mean, it's everything that we asked for. Um, couldn't write a better script. And I mean, these are two very evenly matched teams, and I feel like a lot of people see that as well. But, I mean, that that whole game was give back and forth, back and forth. And then, I mean, who, who knows? It could have went the other way, too, because if, if Boston had held off that run late by Miami, I mean, they had a solid lead at one point late. So, um, But it was a great game. Um some interesting things that I'm sure we're going to get into as far as our takes on some certain calls and maybe some, maybe not any plays being run, but, but we'll get into it. Yeah. And we're going to get into it right now. Like you said, this team is so very evenly matched. I mean, you have Jason Tatum, a rising star versus Jimmy Buckets, who is that big star. He's maybe a top 10 player that's in that's the league. And you go into, I mean, Bam, we've already talked about, is a huge threat. He's very big. I'm, I'm, I don't really compare him to Jason, uh, Jalen Brown, but that's your kind of your number two guy. Then you have some big shooters. I mean, Mercosport, I don't consider a shooter. He's more of a hustler. But, you know, Kemba Walker can sometimes, unlike game one, can be a shooter like your man Hero. I've been hyping him up for the Miami Heat ever since this podcast started. I like Hero. So it's just very evenly matched. And I know Olenek kind of comes in co- uh, KO 41 is what I yeah. called him when he was on Boston, but uh, he kind of uh, pairs up with feet. So like we said, this team's so evenly matched. Yeah. And I mean, Miami played a very, I mean, they spread the ball around everywhere. I think it was what they had four players that basically 20 and above. So yeah, I mean, which they, I said they needed to change. Yeah, everybody was contributing uh, and they made, and it really just came down to that last play. If we, I mean, it could have went different, I think, at the end of regulation. I think that – I would say that Brad Stevens should have ran an actual play right there. I mean, I, I just think that's my opinion. But at the same time, that's just kind of the world that we live in the NBA nowadays. It's like give it to your best player and he's just going to shoot it however he kind of feels. But um, at the end of overtime, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Jason Tatum had that ball cupped. He was throwing it down. I mean, Bam's wrist was bent into the hoop. I, I – I, the analytics don't even make sense on the block, but I mean, here we are. It's kind of, I mean, Jason Tatum didn't even argue or call for a foul or nothing. He was just kind of in disbelief when it happened. So um, just a crazy game, a crazy ending. And I think it's just going to be 
kind of the definitive point for what we're going to see the rest of the series. I do believe that this series will go seven games. Zizzy, I'm going to touch on those two points you made because those were two some of the biggest takeaways I took after, you know, I was watching this game. I'm going to talk about Jason Tatum here, and I'm not going to blame it on Tatum. I'm going to blame it on the coaching because who do I need to talk to to get a job where Brad Stevens says, hey, I just want you to hold on the ball until five seconds and shoot it three. I'm going to tell my eighth grade basketball team this winter to shoot that shot. I just don't think that's a very coached play. You have 22 seconds. The game is tied. A two points, a getting a fouled and making one free throw wins you the basketball game. I need better out of Brad Stevens, which I know he can do, but I think this was just under pressure. Let's say Jason Tatum takes this really big shot. You're a man of moments, Izzy, but at the same time, you've got to make it a good shot. You don't just dribble, dribble, take a shot. The only two people yeah. who I would allow to do that would be Steph Curry and Damian Lillard. That, yes, I agree. But that's what I'm saying. Like, set a screen, like, make it, like, have a pick set up, do something to try and create some space for him. I mean, you had what, 22 seconds? Yes. 22 so, I mean, seconds. like, much more than enough time to develop a solid player, at least to, de- to create space. But it said dribble it out to five seconds and then shoot a fadeaway three with, like, no room at all. I mean, it was, if he had hit it, I get it. He was hot for most of the game, for pretty much the whole game. I thought Jason Tatum played like the star that he is, the emerging star that he is. But, I mean, it just – I think it could have went differently at the end of regulation with that. And then we go into OT. It's still close, but it really just, again, comes down to a last-second and one by our man Jimmy Buckets. He did it at the end of regulation. He did it at the end of overtime. Makes that bucket, makes the free throw. And then it's just all about a block at that point. And, I mean, it's really just crazy how much it comes down to it. It sounds so simple, but that might have been one of the greatest blocks in playoff history, just, like, but on sheer circumstance. Like, it's not a game seven, but that's for a series that could very well go to a game seven, that's a tone setter, and that definitely helps. Yes, I've been hearing that as well. Before I talk about that monumental, that probably one of the best playoff blocks ever. I do want to talk about that last play just a little bit more with Jason Tatum. Like you said, does he give you a little pick and roll, give you something, move them around a little bit, move and move these guys all around. You have 22 seconds. You wait to not even dribble the ball until six seconds. Typically, any other basketball team I've seen, you run your play at 11, 10 seconds so you can get that last shot. That makes sense. Not holding until six and shooting a fadeaway three like you said. Mm-hmm. Now, going into overtime, the other monumental play was, I think, a better block than LeBron James' chase down block against the Warriors. I really do. Uh, Bam. I just can't do it on the circumstance just because, like, the 50-whatever-year drought it was that that technically ended just, like, is so monumental. And, like, this isn't even in the finals yet. So, I just think on the circumstance it's bigger, but – the actual block itself, like the physical. No, I'm talking about the block. Yes. Because the, the block. Like with the skill needed or whatever. Yeah. Like if he jumps up with his right and goes for that block with his right arm, it's also an automatic foul. Like because he would have had to turn and it would have ran into the chest of Tatum. So like the fact that he goes up with his left, keeps his body clear Tatum, doesn't foul him, and then basically catches the dunk. So, I, I mean, it was – it was literally perfect timing, perfect circumstance, perfect fundamentals. I'm, 
it was one of the best actual physical blocks I've ever seen. And that, I would say, then maybe, yes, could be better than LeBron's. But if we're talking by the moment, that's where I think it would differ. Or differ. And see, that's the thing. LeBron always kind of relaxes, times up the chase down block. We've seen it from time to time. Yes, yes, yes. When yes. have you ever seen, you know, not Bam, but any other person have his hand look like he's a waiter at Pizza <laughs> Pal saying, pizza here, pizza this. It should have been a goaltender, but I'm not saying it was. But, like, it could have been called as a goaltender. My man had his hand keeping, like, yes. right under the basket. The ball was coming down. Like, you don't yes. see that type of block. That's the kind of stuff that's just so cool about this block. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I think it's so different. And it was game-saving. Like you said, that's a huge momentum shift moving forward. And I'm not going to be mad about this Celtics loss like I was with the Raptors in game six because – we got beat by Hero Balling Out back to back threes. Then yeah. Jimmy Buckets yeah. hits an and one. Jay Crowder down, you know, those finals like, hits a wide open three. Like that's 12 point monumental swing, swing just based on defense. One of them, they were really highly contested, and Hero just wet it like water. But, yeah. you know, when you have that big a lead, a 12 point swing is really going to knock that lead down. Yeah, it was that. I mean, it's exactly what it was. I mean, it was just that month. That's what I was talking about earlier. Like Boston had a lead. And they definitely were able to, like, if they had just maintained that and sustained themselves through the run, like, that's all basketball is. It's a game of runs. How many playoff games have we seen now with somebody being up 15, 20 points, and then all of a sudden in the quarter, it's tied? Like, it's, it's just how the game works. There's so many ebbs and flows typically, and very rarely do we see a start to finish blowout. So... Um, it really came down to just Boston didn't withstand that run. And then I will say, though, just to, just because I know it's coming with you, but we're, I'm going to say also with Jason Tatum shot not, not going in at the end, like like the ball doesn't lock. Like, let's not say that te- that foul was a technical foul. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ball don't lie, of course. Yeah, ball don't lie on that. Anyway, that's all I really got on that. It's, a, yeah, my, it's an amazing series. I'm just excited. The fact that you guys are doing a live reaction and watching the end of it together, like, <laughs> that was fun. Like, that, was, that was definitely intense. We were definitely hyped. Yes, it was intense. I did have to call you so we could talk about it a little bit more. <laughs> but my last thing, my last kind of take on this is just talk about the stats of these players. I mean, Jason Tatum went 30-14-5. That's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Okay. Marcus Smart had 26. Kemba Walker had 19, even though their three-point shooting was horrendous. They shot yeah. I mean, 35%. Kemba was one for nine. Jason Tatum was four for 12. Daniel Thies was only four and four. My logic still stands. If Daniel Thies goes 10-8, and eight, Boston Celtics win the basketball game. He has to get more involved for Boston to win this game. And we got to shoot less threes and get more good quality shots. That's how Boston's going to win this series. Just playing better, fundamental basketball. Yep. Miami side, real quick. Jimmy Buckets is going to go off and do his thing. 25 and 5, his average. That's what he had uh, on game uh, one. You got a lot out of Jay Crowder. He had 22, and Drogic had 29. That's yeah, phenomenal. 20. All these players who aren't the face of your franchise. Yeah. Tyler Hero almost had a triple double, one assist away. Um, that's great. And just reminding you again, because I think we've said it on the past three podcasts, um, America does not run on Duncan. He only had six points, shot two for seven from three, almost worse than hey, that's uh, all right. Kemba. Just saying, but, like, those guys, your role players are balling out, and that's what you need for this Heat team to beat this Boston team who solely kind of relies on those front six-slash-seven dudes. Yeah, and, I mean, let, let's just think about it. Tyler Hero is a rookie. 
And he Beast. had more minutes than Goran Dragic, than Dragic last night. And he had more minutes than Jay Crowder. Like, he had 40 minutes in a playoff game. Like, that says a lot for a coach's trust in a rookie. And he has not been playing like a rookie. We've been talking about him throughout all these – since kind of like he was started warming up at the end of the uh, the seeding games. But ever since the playoffs, he's been taking off and just running with it. And he's been playing great defense, playing great team ball. And that's been the whole team in general for the Miami Heat. They just have been a team – like they're just team-oriented. And everybody's been scoring. And that's how they've been making – they've been upsetting every series that they've been in so far. They've been the underdogs. So. Um, I think moving forward, though, I do have a couple concerns because Kemba Walker is Kemba Walker is not going to shoot six for nineteen and one for nine from three every single night. And the fact that we took you guys to overtime and we're down pretty solid amount at one point, like Kemba Walker is making his shots. I don't know if we come back. Also, what's the word on Gordon Hayward coming back to play? So we don't really doubtful. In fact, if he does. Is it gonna? Does that negatively affect the Celtics because they they're used to this new uh, rotation with Marcus Smart, or because he's been playing very well? He might he, he could very easily be the MVP for the team outside of Jason Tatum uh, right now. So I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot to think about, and it's really like there's not really decisions here. This is just one of those series that you got to sit back and enjoy. Enjoy <laughs> us being it being our favorite teams. Like this just makes it all the better for us. Yes, and real quick before we move on to the other wild series that just ended, uh, the fans did choose on Twitter your teams as the eighty to twenty percent that the Heat will win this matchup against the Celtics. And we are all—I mean, technically the fans. I think the fans are nine two and one, and we are both uh, nine and two. I think it's like eight and two, eight and three, et cetera. But we're all kind of tied. Um, besides that, fans tie. So I mean, this series is gonna give us that lead for right. winning of the uh, playoff prediction. So right. moving on, though, uh, Zizzy, we did not see this coming. Nobody we did. saw the Clippers were up three-one, and that was it. You, what's your take, man? Well, honestly. My first take is like I'm, I'm kind of upset. Just like, yes, we've been we've been looking. Everybody has been marking. If you haven't been marking the LA battle at the end of the Western Conference playoffs, I, I just I just don't understand. Like Kawhi was making commercials. They brought the team together. They built a, a team opposite of the Lakers in LA. It was going to be the battle for LA. It was get, now it was going to be the battle in the bubble, but still, it's the battle for LA. And now it's not. And then the thing that I'm also really upset about is, like, I I, I hate to hate on the Nuggets. I, they are they deserve all the respect in the world. But I don't think this Western Conference Finals is even close as close to the series now. Um, I just I just feel like the Lakers have a much bigger advantage now with it not being the Clippers that they're facing because the Clippers really took it to the Lakers every time that they played that seemed to bring out the best in them. But um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. And obviously if Jamal Murray and Jokic continue to play like and Jokic can continue to play like that, they can play with anybody. And I will not knock them for their skill set. It was just my odds are in, still going to be in the Lakers' hands. But I'm just upset. I feel like in a way the sports fans got robbed. But 
wow, do I have a lot to say about the Clippers themselves, but I'm going to let you go first. So we're going to get into the Clippers. So I also say my, I'm going to go kind of not, not really on a rant, but on a little fun joy there. But like you <laughs> said, this is what we've been wanting for LA versus LA is the Clippers no longer going to be the stepbrother in LA, the JV game at Los Angeles. And that Denver team, like you said, I do want to hate on them, and I will. I think it's going to be a gentleman sweep by the Lakers. It's going to be a 4-1 victory, and the Lakers are going to go to the finals because it will be a cakewalk. But at the same time, these Nuggets have faced uh, – they've been down 3-1 to one in both of their series. Yeah. Uh, you really can't count them out. Denver's actually I know. You know, it's just, winning I games. I guess it's just like, again, I don't know. Maybe that's that's where I will say that's where my LeBron bias comes in. It's like LeBron ain't going to lose down uh, 3-1. But, I mean, it's happened now. It was the first time it happened twice in the same playoffs. So, I mean, it's just crazy to think that they are 6-0 in elimination games. Yeah. Then going on with that, like that – Denver team. I want to talk about that Denver game seven, and we're going to talk about this Clippers absolute meltdown. Mm-hmm. And Jokic had 16, 22, and 13. That's what you want he out of was, your center. That he was, was a beast an absolute mode. machine. He was the number one player. I felt personally, I know that Jamal Murray dropped 40 points and was making ridiculous shots, especially ridiculous. in the game. But they had no answer for Jokic. They had no answer for the high pick and roll. If they doubled him, Jokic was just spotting shooters on, on dimes. And if they didn't double him, he was pulling up, shooting the mid-range, shooting a three and spreading the floor, or he was taken to the hole. And he was getting get, get 16 points and 20-plus rebounds. He said 22, right? Yeah, 22 so, boards. Uh, I mean, what can you say about his performance? And then Jamal Murray, I mean. 40 points outscoring Paul George and Kawhi Leonard combined. combined. Like, we, everybody was talking, like, it's game seven. The best players on the floor are the ones that are supposed to show up and win. I don't know. Are, is this a statement game for Jamal Murray, or is it just like on this night he just had it again? But he's been in his bag now since the Jazz series. I mean, he was trading 50 burgers with Donovan Mitchell. I, I mean, he's had some Damian Lillard-type consistency at this point. So – I mean, that is was incredible. I mean, the man shot 15 from 26 for 26. Uh, I'm, I don't know. The Denver Nuggets, they're down 3-1 in two separate series, and they come back. And then one series is the L.A. Clippers, the deepest team in the NBA, the one of the most defensive teams in the NBA as well. And they – I just – I'm shocked. I'm shocked to be behind. Yeah, that Denver team, my last take about it, is going to be how they match up against the Lakers. Now, Jokic, I think, is going to make Anthony Davis work like no other. So that's going to be kind of a kind of split-even battle. I look at, like, okay, those two will both have, like, similar stats, et cetera. Now, Grant is not going to be able to guard LeBron, so LeBron's going to have to have himself a series to really take control of this series. Mm-hmm. But if, like you said, Jamal Murray cooks Rajon Rondo, Caruso, whoever they have in front of him, like he did against that Clippers team, drops a 40-piece, maybe a 50-burger, et cetera, the Nuggets are going to win games against this Lakers team. But that has to happen. Like I said, those three kind of things are the three key matches of what's going to you know, teeter-tot this series. And I just don't see the Nuggets winning, and I hate to say this because I don't want to see the Lakers in the finals. You've known that. I've said that ever since the <laughs> second episode I think we ever made of the Mickey Zizzy podcast. So 
I would love to see this Nuggets upset, but like I said last year with the Rockets, I'm not going to hype on that train yet because I have to bite my tongue because of the Trailblazer series. But uh, if they get that second win, if they take it, you know, take it to seven, uh, it'll be a whole different story. Then I'm yeah. I mean, seeing them in a game seven is scary, but also, I mean, like I do feel good about a LeBron James in a game seven, but. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you on that. It really is going to kind of just depend on can Rajon Rondo keep up defensively with Jamal Murray because I feel like it's going to be mostly his um, primary defender, or well, that or Caruso, like you said, and then or who's like who is going to cover LeBron? And if he is, is he going to be a scorer? Is he going to look to facilitate? Are the role players going to play because? That's my also. That's also my thought with the Lakers. If the Lakers have two role players show up every game, they're going to win the championship. Like they they will win if they have their role players show up every game. But we don't know what's going to happen every game, and we've seen them lose a, a couple um, in both of the series and one in each of the series prior. But um, I just don't know. I mean, they've been pretty consistent, and for the first time, I actually think. In the playoffs, the the Lakers are going to win the game one uh, <laughs> of this series, and then they're going to have a one zero lead. And I just, I just don't know um, if the De- can the Denver Nuggets come from behind three separate times. And I mean, we're I know I'm talking like they already lost game one, but that's just that's my vibe. That's just how I feel about it. And I'm still just, I am bummed. I am bummed that we're not seeing both LA. Talking about that other LA team, I only have one kind of rant, like I said about uh-huh. this team. It is game seven. Granted, it's not the WCF for the finals. And you have to perform your best game. You are paid to do this. You are paid to go out there and put on a show. You dream about this as a kid in your parking lot shooting shots. Game seven. Oh, still more time when the clock shoots again, et cetera. You dream about these moments. And for Kawhi Leonard, who is considered possibly one of the best NBA players in the league right now, his finals MVP last year, to score 14 points. And shoot 27%. He was, I think, oh, they 0 for 9. Him and Paul George were 0 for 9 in the fourth quarter. That's terrible, Kawhi. This is the moment for you to really classify yourself as an elite player. Take yourself to LA, I mean, to go face the Lakers and go do the same thing. Kawhi was a bigger choker than, I mean, all I can picture is the Reggie Miller choke image with Kawhi's oh, face on it right oh. now. I've got to do it to him. That was just pathetic. But, you know, even more pathetic, playoff P, no more. I never want to hear playoff P in the sentence unless you're talking about a whole new person because Paul George had 10 points. He looking like Duncan Robinson out there shooting 25%. Paul George, you're supposed to be an elite player in the league. You're supposed to come together and make this dynamic duo, and you score 10 points and let Montrez Harrell score 20 for Pete's sake, uh, Jay Crowder scored 22 against the Boston Celtics, who are better than the Nuggets. Like, Paul George, even bigger of a choke. And you just look at this team, like you said, it was so deep. And you just look at this stat line in game seven. You look at game six. You look at, game, you know, it's just so sad to see this team just fold, fall apart. It looks like they gave up. Shots weren't going in. Their power was all gone. I don't know if they, you know, thought it was just in the bag and they cakewalk, but I am very sad with you as well by the effort I saw. This was not a very fun game seven to watch or to even look at. It's just like, wow, Denver's running the show. It looks like a regular season game. Denver's going to take the dub. And it sucks. Clippers were my pick here in the West, but 
Nuggets are in advance, and they definitely earned it. I mean, I'm not going to say they didn't earn it. They came back from 3-1, showed the Clippers, like, hey, we never counted ourselves out. So there's my quick rant about this really pathetic Clippers game seven. Yeah, I mean, they just they just didn't look there. I mean, I don't know. Kawhi Leonard, I will say, up until this, up until last night, Kawhi Leonard has stepped up and performed in every clutch situation I had ever seen him in personally, I feel like. But last night, to show up when people are honestly like, I know other people hold it as a legacy game. I mean, it definitely hurts them when it comes down to like, who is the best player right now? I mean, like now people are going to take him out of that LeBron James, Giannis, yep, yep, yep. all that conversation. Like he's going to drop out of that. Like watch that. But I mean, six for 22, one for 11 in the second half. I just don't. And like P Bev was, I mean, I, he did his thing, I guess, like averages technically. But I mean, PG thirteen. I don't even want to hear PG thirteen anymore. It's PG. It's PG thirteen percent. Okay, like that. That's basically what he shoots at this that, point. He yeah, shot. He, <laughs> he shot that one side corner three. Yikes! And hit this corner of the top of the back. Mm, that was like watching. I don't know. That was like watching some very under performing and underwhelming IM basketball team. I, I don't know. It was it was very, very poor to see that. And and I like you said, 10 points. It feels like he came, he leaves or whatever, OKC leaves there with, and then comes to the Clippers and is like, what is he expecting, an easy ring? Because I'm not even going to just say last night. The, this whole playoff, it feels like Kawhi Leonard and – company have had to drag this man Paul George through the playoffs to try and get him to perform and save him like I, I, I'm with you I don't want to hear about playoff P right now um, we'll see if he can redeem himself I mean they're all talking about um, how they didn't have time to prepare whatever else I don't want to hear that either I don't want to hear that like everybody's in the same situation they came in the bubble like cool you weren't all together as a team last year but you've been together technically on the roster together for a year plus at this point because of the pandemic like you guys are around each other i don't want to hear that so um I, it's just it's it was sad and doc rivers i hate to say i feel like is going to be on the hot seat i mean why that's so healthy. dumb why so dumb. I mean, think about it. Think about it. The only thing is, and I, I hate to say this, but like when you look at his championship that he has, it's with the Boston Celtics. But look at that roster as well. Like Hall of Famer after Hall. Of- oh, you're getting my blood. And I'm just a little saying, hot. saying he's a bad coach. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but I'm saying he has been with the Clippers now for seven or eight seasons, and they're zero and eight still to get to the conference finals. Like I. I I mean, they had the talent. This is what they were brought in for. I'm not saying that he needs to be gone this year. I don't think that at all. But I'm saying if they come in next year and they underperform or underwhelm or they don't take somebody deep into a playoff run, I, I don't know if Doc Rivers is going to be around much longer for it, as the L.A. Clippers coach either. It's just like game seven, Montrez Harrell is the best player on the floor for the Clippers. How? You don't coach that. You can't coach one and nine shooting. You can't coach when your no, players I get are that. sucking I get on that. the court. I, I get that. I get that. You know what I'm, I'm saying? Like I'm, he not saying them up. I'm not saying that for Being just game. number two. I, I, winning a series. I a little bit on that because I'm talking about Montrezl Harrell being the best performer game seven. Because you're right. They had open shots and they just missed. 
I mean, you look at the shooting percentages, Kawhi Leonard, six for 22, when the heck does that ever happen? But you are still up 3-1. You have to make an adjustment to do something about that high pick and roll. I don't know. But you're up 3-1 and you blow the lead. That still has to come down to some coaching, too. He's not off the hook is all I'm saying. Oh, I know that. I don't think he should be fired. I don't think he should be on the hot seat. Maybe next year if they go a second-round buyout That's again. Okay, okay now. Saying, it all depends on what happens next year. I'm not saying he needs to be gone this yeah. year. I some okay. people are talking about, like, get him out of there. Like, he's going to walk into the management. They're going to chew his ass. Like, sorry about my French guys. But, <laughs> um, like, no, I don't think it's going to be like that. I think that – if they underperform next year and they do something similar, yes, yeah, then it's yeah. look at it at that point. Totally agree. This has been a great talk about the NBA playoffs. Now we have our WCF and our ECF. Real quick, Zizzy, who are you taking so we can put it on Twitter for the Western Conference Final? Do I even have Western to ask? Conference Finals, you know I'm going to go to L.A. I hate that. You know, I'm – They're talking. They're all looking at everybody saying we're just – here to prove the doubters wrong. He's t- Jamal Murray's telling Stephen A. Another analyst, give us our respect, but we're still all going to pick the Lakers. I'm sorry, I just, I, I, they're eight and two in the playoffs right now. Like they're four one, two teams that everybody thought were offensive powerhouses, and I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting, but I'm going to go with the Lakers. I too, sadly, I'm going to go with the Lakers so I can keep up with you in the. Playoff <laughs> predictions, but I, I I cannot see myself seeing the Denver Nuggets in the finals, and it sucks to say. I'm going with my gut here. I got to go with the Lakers, and then my Celtics will beat the Lakers in the finals. Okay, moving on. Oh, my goodness. Well, now, obviously, we know who's going with who in the ECF, but can, could you write a better script? LeBron in L.A. It's a title against his old team, Mike. Oh, it would just be perfect. Oh, you'd be having a heyday over there in Florida. I tell you. Uh, oh, I'd be throwing parties. All right, Zizzy, moving on to our next. We said football was back. We had a ton of Woo! football. I know I definitely uh, want to talk four or five games, whatever we decide, but you already know where I'm going to go with this segment of our podcast. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, don't call it a comeback because we've been here for years. Mitch, thank God, Trubitsky. In the clutch, in the fourth quarter, uh, 21 or 19 straight, no, 21 straight points to win the game over the Detroit Lions. Mitchell was looking like 10 guy, the guy who said, I earned this spot for a reason. He was laying out dimes. He played better than Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes in week one. Fourth quarter, put it on. Go check the stats. Mitchell Trubitsky led this team. Shout out Kyle Fuller, who had a great pick to put us in scoring position. Anthony Miller is a baller. Allen Robinson needs that extension. Sign Allen Robinson more money. He's our main dude. I'm so excited. My heart was racing. I said, R-E-L-A-X, relax. The Bears are going to come back. I heard all the haters on Twitter. Oh, we're back to being the bad Bears. This season's going to suck. That I said, wait. I said, wait and let my man, Tank God, ball. I wore that jersey with pride that next day and showed everyone, yeah, this is my guy. I'm I'll start with one positive comment about Mitchell Chubisky. His 27-yard go-ahead touchdown pass that made me know. Chef's kiss, my friend. Chef's kiss. That, that 
is somebody that deserves to be drafted in the draft. But other than that, blasphemous Mickey Hines. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The, the, the coming of Tom the return, he's back. Did you watch the first three quarters? I know that he didn't have it in the stats also, but you might as well write down two interceptions on that stat line. He threw one, one straight into the chest. The chest of the safety, Mickey Hines. I sent you the video. You know you saw it. And then another one that the defender had a lob dropped right in his hands. And I swear on my life, I could have caught that ball if I'm on the field. I swear to you. That is an interception by, I don't understand, by anybody else. And then on top of that, like, I don't think the Swift dropped the ball in that end zone. They should have won the game. The Detroit Lions should have won the game, and I also should have got my pick up. But I'm just saying, I understand that he threw three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. He did look good in the fourth quarter, but I don't want people to overlook the first three quarters. The man was wrong. And this is against the Lions defense. The Lions defense is not expected to be high quality in the NFL this season, Mickey. I hate to break it to you. So he needs to find it early and often. And if he can do that, if he can do what he did in the fourth quarter early and often, I will start talking to you you differently about Mitchell Trubisky. But I stand by my statement. He will still not be the quarterback, starting quarterback after week four. Week five, we will see Nick Foles. Let's go. All I hear is talking. At the end of the day, the Chicago Bears are 1-0, and this is what I told everyone last year. Mitchell Trubisky puts us in winning scenarios. We have some better kicks here. Let me finish. I gave you your time. I gave you your time. I was very quiet. I was very respectful of Mr. Zizzi. My turn. He puts him, the, the Chicago Bears, in winning positions. When you have your playmakers make play, we finally seen Anthony Miller rising as a good receiver in the NFL. We have Allen Robinson, who I think is very elite in the NFL. And finally, He's Jimmy Graham, something clicks. Pay him. I know. Finally, when Jimmy Graham, something clicks for him, he actually performs like a tight end. We're Gucci there, okay? I think this Bears team was very awoken that fourth quarter, and we're going to ball moving forward. We have a great matchup against the Giants, a great opportunity to go 2-0. Mitchell is going to show you that he can play all four quarters, and you have to to beat that Giants team. This defense is going to swallow up Saquon just like Pittsburgh did, and we're no. going to go 2-0 next week. The Chicago Bears are going to go, and they're going to work on their offense, work out all the kinks, and we're going to do even better than we did in that fourth quarter. I mean, you know, the thing is, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what to think of the Bears' defense yet because I know like two years ago they were – it almost looked like the 85 Bears again. And then last year, it was kind of a letdown because, I mean, how else can you follow up a year like the year before? I mean, you can't really top that. But, I mean, they're still a solid defense, and the Detroit Lions are, I would say, a better offense, at least scoring-wise, in the NFL. And they held them to 23 points, so I do give the defense that, um, even though it probably should have been 30. I'm just – I it, like, how do you drop that? I just – Whatever. Anyway, still, I will say that I think I do think the Bears' defense is good. I don't know if their Pittsburgh Steelers good and going to be able to stop Saquon. And I like is Saquon really going to get held to six rushing yards again or whatever it was? Like, I I don't know. Um, but I will say the Bear the Bears do have a solid chance actually to go two and zero. They might I might even have them in 
my picks. I'm still, still making some late picks over here in the NFL pickups for weeks. I'm two. waiting for them. I know, I know. I got decisions, you know. I got to take my decisions from there and then put them in a parlay as well. I got bad habits, all right? <laughs> um, moving forward, another game I want to talk about definitely is that Sunday night. I think it was a Sunday night game. No, Sunday night <laughs> afternoon. The Bucks and the Saints. Yes, yes, yes. So everyone was hating. First of all, I'm going to get my T. Wirfs comment out of the way. People said, oh, he lit up this, he lit up this. I had some people commenting to me saying, oh, he's not even that good, da 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 I'm like, first of all, y'all need to check yourselves because he's a rookie in the NFL starting against Cameron Jordan, one of the top five defensive ends. And Cameron Jordan only had five tackles. Yeah. Only five. That is phenomenal for a rookie NFL tackle. And I think he played very, very well. Of course, he's going to have stuff to work out. He's not going to come in and be so explosive. Like I mean, Cameron Jordan himself had zero sacks, too. So, I mean, like. Yeah, that, that's why I said only five tackles. Like, like, he, yeah, he had one where he got in the backfield for a tackle for loss. But, I mean. I didn't think he was all that impressive either, but I, I mean, it wasn't like Tristan Wurst was out there pancaking people, but yeah, no, I didn't think he deserved to be handed off. I mean, the Bucks O line in general isn't necessarily even that great as a unit. I mean, yeah, they got Tristan Wurst, but that's just one guy. It's a five man unit, and they've worked. They didn't protect Jameis Winston last year. They and Tom Brady isn't nearly as mobile as Jameis Winston, so it might that might be an issue that they really need to focus on. Yeah, and now we're talking about that Bucks team. And Tom Brady definitely has to work out some kinks when you don't have OTAs preseason. It's a very tough job for a new quarterback to come and learn a new system when you've been doing it for 20 years. We've had 20 episodes, Izzy. He's been on the Patriots for 20 years. It's going to be very tough for him to flip that switch. Yeah, he had two interceptions. One of them was on Mike Evans. I'm not going to talk about that. He also did throw two touchdowns with that new team. The running game probably going to do a little bit better. But you have to wait and let this team develop. It's just like that Miami Heat team when they had the big three. I like referencing that a lot because they had to work out the kinks with a new team. They had to work out all the team chemistry and learn how to win together. And Tampa mm-hmm. will do that. And it's a very tough game to come out and play the Saints, your first game of the season. All right. Drew Brees yeah. is a, you know, once in a lifetime quarterback. Just he's one of the goats with Tom Brady. He threw, you know, uh, two touchdowns, and their running game was eh because Alvin Kamara actually had 12 attempts for 16 yards. That hurt. But the Saints won because their defense was, it was very good, and they played as a team, and the receivers kind of stepped up. So, like, that Saints team's going to be good, and the Buccaneers are still going to grow. So, when they play again, I'm really excited to see that game. Yeah, and I'm with you on that. I think a lot of people are jumping the gun on Tom Brady yep. right now. Everybody's oh, yeah. really good, like attacking Brady, like talking like, oh, he's he maybe he is washed, or maybe uh, it's like he's not nearly as good as we thought he was going to be, or this team isn't going to be great, or whatever. Like, let's all calm down. Like, I understand that I like I picked Tampa Bay to win the game just because, yeah, I jump on the Tampa Bay hype. I do believe they're going to be a fantastic team, especially by the end of the season, but. Like, I don't know, first game hype. Some people come out in their first game just because they're that hyped up and amped up. They play phenomenal, and I thought that Brady would do that. He obviously, you can see that the weird offseason, the OTAs, new team, new system. I mean, he's rolling out and throwing across the field. We haven't seen Brady do that since he had Randy Moss, and we don't have a Randy Moss out there. No no offense to Mike Evans and all of them. But, um, 
Yeah, I think they're going to be fine. And to be honest, I don't even think their defense looked that bad. I mean, I, the, they held Drew Brees to 160 yards passing. They held the Russian to under 82 yards, like under 90 yards as a team. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I thought that the defense played fine. But, yeah, the pick six hurts. And that's the reason that they got rid of Jameis Winston. So, it, yeah, it looks bad in that regard. But, I mean, it's the first game. He's going to develop. He still threw two touchdowns. Um, you, I hope that we see some more out of some other uh, some other receivers and stuff like um, like where was going? I don't know. Got to see some of the running backs out of the backfield or whatever. But like you said, they're going to develop and they're going against the Saints, who for the most part have what been an NFC Championship now, like three straight years, pretty much. They're on there. They have been a deep playoff yeah, team. I don't think they went last year, but the two years before that, I know they were, and like they they were a play away from the Super Bowl, like. These are still NF one of the this is still one of the top teams in the NFC, but you just like I don't know. I think it'll be great, like you said, when it develops and gets they meet again later in the season, and then maybe they have to play each other in the playoffs. Because I could easily still see both these teams making it from their division. Yes, and I like I'm, I'm going to stick to my thing. I'm not going to hop on the Tom Brady's bad Buccaneers or trash uh, training because they're going to be good. They have a very good coach. They have all these great players, and they're going to mesh here soon. And the same team's still going to be good. There's a reason why I chose them to be my number one team in the NFC. So I'm really excited to see what you know their week two matchups are going to be and how they uh, key out about that. But uh, what other games would you like to talk about? Is two games to talk about for the NFL from week one? You know. Let's talk about the Cincinnati Bengals and the Chargers. That was one game that was interesting to me because, you know, like it was very low scoring. I was interesting. I know I said earlier, like, we need to watch out for the Chargers because I do believe in Tyrod Taylor. But what he showed me in week one was not what I expected. And they had a very limited offense against a Bengals defense that I don't know if they're starting to get used to the new system that they implemented a couple seasons ago or and they've gotten better or if the team just believes in itself more because they think that Joe Burrow is really the real deal and that their offense actually can score. Now, don't get me wrong, the Bengals only scored 13 points and they still lost in Joe Burrow's debut. But I thought Joe Burrow looked pretty good. I know like his stats weren't crazy. But he didn't make too many bad decisions. He made one bad decision. He still had a nice rushing touchdown. He looked good for a first timer in a like first time start in the NFL on a team that really isn't supposed to be that great. And you go against a team that still has some players, some ballers on the other side, and you go down to the wire and it comes down to a field goal. So um, I was actually really interested to see his debut. And I just wanted to see, like, what are your thoughts on Burrow himself moving forward? Um, and then just, like, the thoughts on the Bengals and maybe just the overall game itself. Yeah, so the overall game, as you saw, was such a very low-scoring one, 16-13. I don't understand your hype for this Chargers team. Um, I know they lost Melvin Gordon. <laughs> well, now that they lost Irwin James, oh, I'm a little bit Eckler's still on the team, and that's why I'm still kind of like, I can maybe kind of believe you because him and Keenan Allen are very good. Um, I was, like, trying to have them on my fantasy teams, et cetera. But let's do talk about that Bengals team. And I had a really hard choice choosing this week for NFL Pick'em's Beat the Mickey Zizzy podcast, choosing Cincinnati over Cleveland. I think Cleveland's going to get some things worked out and uh, beat Cincy on the big night. But uh, Joe Burrow, 193 yards, one pick. I think he did have that one rushing touchdown, correct? And uh, I mean, 23 for 36 for 190. 
I just I'm not gonna get sold on that yet. Granted, he's a rookie. He did anything crazy. I just thought like, for you don't expect like nobody expects the Bengals to be anything significant. No, and it's not. I understand he's the first round, first draft pick, like overall, but like he does have AJ Green or whatever, and I don't. We don't his health or whatever or anything yet but i'm just interested and i do think that he looks better than i personally to be honest i personally think that the Bengals could have played better i think joe burrow will play better but it's the same thing i was saying with tom brady he's got to learn the system he's got to learn like oh i gotta throw that a little bit earlier that's nfl open that's not college open anymore i'm not playing against some of these scrub teams in college I'm playing the best of the best here at the pro level. And I think Joe Burrow is going to learn, especially I, I don't think he's going to excel this year. But in two, three years, like he did in college, he's going to get it down and become even more better than what we know as, as it is right now. So I think Joe Burrow is going to have a huge jump this year from his first game to his last game. That's going to be really cool to see. But I don't think we'll see the peak of Joe Burrow this year. Okay. I mean, understandable. I mean, year one, I wouldn't necessarily maybe say that you would see his peak, but I, I understand. No, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm um, saying? I'm just like yeah, – yeah. And then my big thing, too, with that Bengals team, I absolutely do not like Joe Mixon. When I see his name, I'm like, he's yeah, not a good that. running back. <laughs> and it's coming from a running back thing. I just, I've never been on his hype train. I never will. No, I haven't and been either. Maybe, I've never been over fantasy. Maybe I, you know, he proves me wrong, but I just don't see him as a good running back, and that's tough to do when you have that young quarterback that you need a better running back to help out with that passing game. Yeah. Um, Second, I think it's hard for me to decide. I think I still got, honestly, like two other games. Yeah, we can talk talk about about them. All right. I'll go. I'll start them with the Arizona Cardinals versus. I saw that coming. Wow. I mean, like. I told you that uh, they were going to be a team to watch out for. I mean, they're going to come back against the NFC champs, and they're going to win week one. I know that, like, don't get me wrong, Kyler Murray's got some weapons now because D-Hop looked good, and I love that they ran through their number one weapon. Give that man the ball. 14 catches looked like full career high there. Looked incredible. But Kyler Murray running all over the place, making good passes, good decisions. Is it going to be a coming out here? I, I don't know. I don't know, but they, they look good. They look very good week one. And to come out against a supposedly un, like it's the num- number one, number one predicted unparalleled defense for coming into this year. And to still get, go in and get a win and score 24 points, I mean, it's still impressive. It's very impressive to me. And I love watching. Talking about this Arizona San Francisco game. I saw them throw a lot more. Jimmy G, Jimmy G threw 33 uh, passes, 260 yards, two touchdowns. That's honestly not bad for a quarterback. Yeah. The yeah. thing that killed them was their so-called good running game. I knew it. I knew it that their running game would not be as good as what they did in the playoffs. And their leading rusher was uh, Morissette, or however you say his name, with 56 yeah. yards. That's why they lost this game. They didn't establish that dominant running game like they showed last year. So they didn't have a better running game. But uh, they definitely got that passing game down, which is going to be a plus. They need to find that wherever they lost it for that San Francisco team. And that defense, I mean, giving up 24 points isn't a ton. But at the same time, like, it's Kyle Murray. Now, he was their leading rusher with 91 yards and a touchdown. He threw for 230 and a touchdown. Granted, he had a pick. But – 
It also helps when you have DeAndre Hopkins, I think the, if not the best receiver in the NFL on your team, 150 yards, like 14 receptions, because that gives Larry Fitzgerald like, wait, this young gun's going to take all the reps. Uh, Sweet, I don't have to work as hard. I still can get my catches when I need them. And Kyle Murray has this elite receiver now, and he's a mini Lamar Jackson. I'm not comparing. They're very different spectrums here, but, like, he's like the mini-me, you know, from Doc uh, Austin Powers. Like, oh, mini-me, a million dollars. Kyle Murray's the mini-me of Lamar Jackson. And I, he's going to be a rising star. I'm not going to totally hop on your take because this was your take. I'm not going to steal your thunder. But, like, I saw a glimpse of it. I I, I mean, I, I – I might be wrong, so that's gonna be cool, and I really I'm excited to see what Kyle Murray can do with this Arizona team next week. Yeah, exactly. Um, but from there, I think the last one I wanted to talk about was just it was a wild game, high scoring as heck. But how about those Green Bay Packers coming out there and that bad man? I know I I, I don't know if you were gonna want to bring them up because I know it's their arch rival. They're one of them at least. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say the arch rival. But I mean, Aaron Rodgers. I know that Devontae Adams like went off and he had 14 catches for 160 of the yards that were accounted for. But Aaron Rodgers has 360 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, I I know he was gonna come out inspired. I said that especially after the draft. But I mean, he looked scary good and it was and they were let's not forget they really were the 13 and 3 team i know it was just everybody was really disappointed in their draft but it doesn't mean that they're not going to be better i mean they do have a new system they do their system is two years old now so they are probably more established i mean they're they're going to be a good team and i am going it's going to take really good defensive play to stop aaron Rodgers. if he is able to sustain that it's not just going to be a problem for the nfc north it's going to be a problem for the entire NFL. So that's my take on that. But let's not say on the other side that they played very poorly. I mean, Kirk Cousins did have a costly interception. But the game itself, I mean, I thought they played well. Dalvin Cook had two touchdowns. Kirk still threw for two touchdowns. Adam Thielen just looked like he was back to form. I mean, I know that Stephon Diggs is gone, so he's going to get more targets again. But, man, did he look good again. But, um, yeah, just high scoring, incredible game, really fun to watch. But Aaron Rodgers – I don't know. If he returns to form, do they get back to another NFC championship? Do they maybe win this time? I mean, that they look potent. And this is week one on offense. So, <laughs> I'm going to talk about the Vikings. I'm going to oh. get to the hottest take I've ever made. Oh! Kirk Cousins, this is not my hottest take, but Kirk Cousins, um, I mean, 262 touchdowns. <clears throat> Mitchell Trubisky played better, but uh, I honestly thought he played fine. Dalvin Cook, uh, I think, could have got a little few more carries because he only had 12. And like you said, Adam, Adam Thielen is back to form. And that Vikings team is very – I mean, they're good. I'm not going to hate on it. Now, before I get to this hottest take about this, uh, the team, I don't I say the name more anymore, the, the GB team. Devontae Adams is very good. Yes, that's been apparent. He's definitely a top seven receiver. I'll put him at number six. I don't like put him in the top five just because I am biased. But that is a very good, you know, receiving core. And you remember this right now. He has a good receiving core. The Marquez guy, Valdez, Gadley. Yeah, no, he's good. Alan Lazard is good. I know he's from ISU. I'm pretty sure someone will probably stat check me on that. But – he is good. They have a good receiving core. 
Now, my hot take. This game will be a fluke for the rest of the season for Aaron Rodgers. Oh, no. Why would you make this bet? It's not a bet. This is my hot take, capital H-O-T-T. I got you. I got you. Aaron Rodgers, when he faces adversity, is going to fold under pressure, and he's going to be a prima donna because he knows that love picks is right behind him. Aaron Rodgers is going to fold in a big-time game, and it's going to be hilarious, and I'm going to say, Mr. Zizzy, I told you so. Rodgers folded. Check back to episode 20. Aaron Rodgers, this is his last good game in the GB uniform. I don't see him on the team next year because they're going to love this guy. Yep. In a GB uniform. Last good game. And – I, I, I still okay, like an outstanding game. The last time, okay, that's my hot take. Oh my, lo- dude, why do you why are you such a bear fan? <laughs> why hot take? Hot, oh, it's horrible. It's not even a hot take. Like, I just I feel like you just served me a bowl of ice cream. Like, that's the coldest soup. <laughs> it makes no sense. It's, it's a hot take. Because it's just so wildly not possible. Like, it's just not going to happen. Hey, when the first uh, person invented tacos, they probably thought, some person probably thought, hey, that's a dumb idea. That's a, and then the person who invented tacos is like, that's a hot take. Defense, too. Mickey Hines. Stop. Stop it right now. I understand that they drafted Jordan, uh, Jordan Love. I understand that he may end up being really good one day and may actually replace Aaron Rodgers, and that's supposed to be the plan. But next year, or like he's not going to have good games, they might put him in this. Stop it! Stop it! I don't even want to talk to you about this game anymore. Talk about another game. If you had other games you wanted to talk about, say it right now because absolutely not. Nope, that is my hot take. Oh my lanta! I am going to end it on some quick updates real quick for the fans back home. Yes, for yes. the Beat the Mickey Zizzy podcast, NFL Pickums. we do have a rankings. Rough week. first, tied for first, because uh, granted, you know, it's first week. At 12-4 is Mason Davis, Spencer hey, Weston, who's nice. our ESPN expert who uh, sending us picks. That's awesome. And Maddie Also, also shout, shout out him in the, uh, in the Cornell and the Cornell newsletters. He's, he's out there getting the interviews. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> there's our tied for first. And then tied for fourth, because, you know, those two other who are in first will take second and third is Shy and Mino. Shout out Shy. Steven yep. Ruiz yep. and my buddy yep. Ben Alger. Uh, ben Alger is a real big guy. I play fantasy with him. Yep. And then let's go down to the bottom of the rankings. Now, I'm tied for ninth with Greeny, no Greeny, nine and seven. Somehow that happened. I can't believe I lost the Greeny, no Greeny. lost the Greeny, no Greeny this week. You, Aaron Hilbert, and Hunter Wright all are terrible. You went eight and eight, and Greeny, no Greeny. Hey, it's week one. We got a long season. I flip. I flip a card with Greeny's face on it, and it scored better than you in NFL Pick'ems. Man. Hey, I went for some upsets, and a couple of them, come on. A couple of them, like – Really? <sighs> so those are your rankings, ladies and gentlemen. And the upsets were all over. Like Indianapolis? What are you doing? I know. Uh, my upset, The we only have five people playing the upset game. And Mason is the only one winning right now with 1-0. Oh. 
Everyone else yep. is 0-1. And, and real quick. Who did he for his upset? Do you know? His upset that week was, I can't, oh, I don't. Did he go Washington, Jackson? Yes, Washington. I think he actually had Washington. Wow. wow. He called that wow. game. That was phenomenal. And real quick, some of the big games I am going to say is I have Cleveland tomorrow night beating Cincinnati. I have, of course, Chicago beating. Giants got to throw that in there. And my upset this week is going to be the Atlanta Falcons over the Dallas Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are going to still have to learn Mike McCarthy's system, and I think the Falcons are going to want a close one. That is my upset pick for the week. You know, I I actually like that upset. I do. Um, For me, I actually would have to check the odds to see who is favored. Um, But I am really interested, I think, to see the New England England Seattle game. Um, But for me, honestly, my upset pick for the week, as I'm looking through it, just confirming, because I'm late on my picks, ladies and gentlemen. I apologize. I'm not the best. This is supposed to be the Nikki Fizzy podcast pick. But don't worry, they will be in before tomorrow. Um, I'm gonna actually go. Do I want to go? Do I want to piss you off? You won't. Actually, is Philadelphia uh, is Philadelphia the Rams favored? I cannot tell you right now. I think probably the Rams are favored. Rams. If the Rams are favored, I'm probably going to end up going Philadelphia. But if not, I I might. If not, I think I'm going to either go. I'm I'm looking at the Giants. I'm looking at the Texans against Baltimore. Yes, I know. I just said that. And I'm looking at um, the Eagles. So I'll I'll we'll let you know, and everybody will be updated as soon as Dizzy Yank makes his pick. All right, that's good on my end. Thank you so much, everyone, for doing the Mickey Zizzy Beat the Podcast NFL Pick'ems. We will get that trophy here in about a few weeks so that we can uh, show you all the pictures. Hopefully between me and Mr. Zizzy, whoever wins the playoff predictions, I am going to print off a little uh, championship award. It's going to be pretty cool. I'll be sending that picture out as well when we have a winner. Thank you, though. We're trying to put out a lot of content. This was a little bit longer episode, but Sports are back, and the Bears are back. Go Seeds. <laughs> go Celtics. Go Celtics. Hey, and it's the Heat Nation, and the Heat run the East. Everybody, I want you to know that. Want to know. It's hot in here. And with that being said, if you're talking sports, it's the matchup. Mickey here with Zizzy. Yeah, we cutting it up. Just a couple athletic enthusiasts. You know what it is, the Mickey Zizzy podcast. Sports are back, everybody. Have a great one. Peace.